Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God, for your word today. And uh, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to understand your word. Lord, that things that have has pestered our, our minds, pestered our intellect, pestered our questions, our doubts, Lord, that today those would be removed. Lord, and we'd come into the light of understanding that we've never had before, Lord Jesus. Lord, with understanding comes a great deal of confidence because when we know, Lord, nothing can shake us. And so, Lord, help us to know the truth of your word and to, best of all, know you, Lord Jesus, we pray. And we thank you, God, for it. Amen. We're coming into the third uh, third sermon or message, if you will, of, of uh, how to reach your your full predestined potential in life. How to reach your full predestined potential in life. The first uh, couple of Sundays ago, uh, we concluded this. Your potential is not based on what you have or what you don't have. Your potential is based on how much God can give you and how much you can receive. That's your potential. So you don't look at your checkbook to see how much money you have, your potential is far greater. You, you don't look at what kind of house you're living or a lack of a house that you don't have. You say, my potential is how much God can give and how much I can receive. You don't look at if you're sick or not sick. No, my potential is based on how much God can pour out, which is infinite. And then I'm the limitation here. How much can I receive? And so we talked about that on, on two Sundays ago, last Sunday, uh, we realized that God, those that God knew ahead of time, because see, God knew you before you were even born. All right, and those He knew ahead of time, He went ahead and gave a predestined potential that was enormous, that would take you the rest of your life to explore and find and discover. It's that big. Since he knew you ahead of time, he said, I'm going to give you incredible plans for your life. Amazing plans. And all you need to do is discover them. But I give you these huge, huge plans for my purpose, for God's purpose. Not for your purpose, but for God's purpose. And so and I'm going to talk more about this tonight. You're, if you will discover God's plan, you will discover huge potential for your life. Find out his purpose, and with that, you'll find incredible potential. But if you start getting distracted and chasing this and chasing that, your potential is only that big. But with God's purpose, your potential is huge. And so that's what we talked about last week. This week, I want to share with you this. Wow. That wasn't it. No, I want to share with you this, all right? God has chosen you. God has chosen you. You are chosen by God Almighty, and you need to start acting like it, talking like it, walking like it, carrying yourself like it. You are chosen of God. How is it that you can reach your potential in life when you come to the realization, I am not a loser, <laughs> I'm not a reject, I am chosen of God, and I'm going to start acting like it and stop being a victim 
And I'm going to start being victorious in Jesus because I am chosen by him. He picked you. You get that? He picked you. And you need, you and I, not just you, me, we need to start acting like it. All the flood of thoughts that says I'm never going to amount to anything. My situation has pushed me too far down deep into the mud. I'll never be able to rise again. Let me tell you what, Reggie read a scripture. You will rise again. You know why? Because you're chosen of God. You're chosen of God if you are a Christian. All right? If you are a Christian, you can be sure that you're chosen of God. And you know what? You can become a Christian right now. You simply say, Jesus, I want to have faith in you. I place my faith in you. Let me tell you what. When you do that, you can be sure you're chosen of God. All right? Man, I hope this thing doesn't give us too many fits. Can Kyle... Can you just run back and turn off two? Because I believe, I believe that's probably what's causing it. All right. So let's get started on this, this incredible thought. And the first thing that I want you to do is just take a big, deep breath and not worry about a single other person in the whole wide world except for yourself. All right? And as you think of yourself chosen of God, how does that make you feel? Doesn't that feel good? <laughs> All right? Don't worry about anybody else. Just worry about yourself. Because I've been living in this the last couple of months thinking, I'm chosen of God. But the first thought that comes into my mind is, what about the other billions of people out there? Are they chosen of God? Don't worry about that right now. Just worry about yourself and receive God's choosing in your life. And start living that way. You're a child of God Almighty. He chose you. He picked you. And we're going to talk why he picked you. Because there's a reason why he picked you. And that feels good. You will start behaving differently from that truth and that truth alone. If you just know you're chosen. You know, I tripped and fell, but it doesn't matter because I'm chosen. I will rise again. Amen. That's what Micah Micah 7 says. I might fall, but I'm going to rise again. Why? Because I am chosen. I'm predestined. I have a destiny. Nothing can stop me because God has propelled me into the future, and nothing and no one is going to stop me. I'm chosen of God. So our anchor scripture last week, I'm going to read it to you again, is Romans 8, 29 and 30. It says, for those God foreknew, in other words, those that he knew would come into relationship with him, He knew that you would do it. He didn't make you do it. He just knew you were going to do it. You were going to make that decision for Christ. And he knew it in advance. And for those that he foreknew, he went ahead and predestined, as we mentioned, he gave you a bright future, a broad future, a deep future, an unbelievable future. But it came with a purpose. He said he also predestined to be, there's a purpose for it, to be conformed to the image of his son. See, he wants your life to change, and there's a purpose for his predestination, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That means he's chosen a lot of people out there, a lot of people, all right? And and those he predestined, he went ahead and called. And tonight, if you come tonight, we're going to talk about the first call and then the second call. 
Because each of us can be called twice in life. And we're going to be talking more about that tonight. But you know what? If he predestined you, he went ahead and invited you and said, Hilda, I want you to come with me. Sheila, I want you to come with me. Kyle, I want you to. Hey, Tito, come with me. He invited them because he had a choosing for them. He had a purpose for them, all right? So he called them for a destined purpose. And those he called, he said, I'm going to go ahead and justify you. I'm going to make you right with me. I'm going to eliminate any barriers between the two of us so that you can feel comfortable being God's child. And those he justified, he glorified. So that's a scripture we read last week that really is for all week, uh, all, uh, all, all four weeks. By the way, next Sunday, we'll end this with a tale of two chosen men. The tale of two chosen men. You won't want to miss it because you'll see what choosing can do and what choosing can't do, all right? Tale of two chosen men. But let's look at this scripture this morning. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. It's going to be in our reading this week. You want to study it. You want to meditate it. Because I tell you what, every single phrase in these two verses has significant meaning. And we want to study them. We want to look at them. So here it says, it's in Ephesians 1, chapter 4, it says, For he chose us. And we're going to see in the scripture, another scripture, it says, you didn't choose God, God chose you. That's very comforting to me to realize God chose me. I didn't choose him. Very important. God looked at these sea of faces and he saw Daniel Resurrection's face. He said, I'm choosing that guy right there. And he looked at Michaela and he says, hey, that girl's for me. I'm choosing her. And he looked at Teresa. He said, that woman's for me. I'm choosing her. I'm choosing Lucia, praise God. God went out and sovereignly reached out and chose people. Powerful. Aren't you glad to be part of the chosen group of people? Hey, I've got good news for all the other people out there as well. So don't worry. We're going to get to this in a second. There's hope for every human being in this world. But aren't you glad you're one of the chosen ones? Listen, let's keep going. It says, for he chose us in him. In who? In Jesus. Inside of Jesus, there's choosing for every man, woman, boy, or child in this world. In Jesus, we have a sense of choosing. Even for those that haven't come to know him, known him yet, there's a choosing inside of Jesus that if we would just say, Jesus, yes, (laughs) I accept. All right? When my wife and I got married, Uh, I chose her. She didn't choose me, all right? I chose her, and you know what? Thank goodness she accepted. (laughs) She could have said, nope, buddy, I'm going to choose somebody. I'm going to go with somebody else. I'll accept someone else's proposal. Jesus chooses us, but you know what? You got to accept it. You got to receive it, all right? So in him is this choosing. When before, this is very important, before the creation of the world. Now, did you know that part of creation was the creation of time? Jesus, if you read uh, in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about God actually creating time. Before creation, there wasn't a sense of time. We can't wrap our brains around that. But here what this is saying is outside of time, God looked into time. He looked into this world, and he saw you. He saw Conrad, and he saw Miwa, 
And he said, I'm picking them before time ever exists. Before the foundations of the world, some translation said. But he chose you, not so that you could be all that in a bag of chips. No, he chose you for a purpose. Chose you for a purpose to be holy, holy, and blameless in his sight. He chose you to get your life straight, to put it in order, and to fulfill the purpose to which he, he, he created you. So to be holy and blameless in his sight. Why did he do all of this? Because he loves you. It says, in love. Then he went ahead and predestined you. And we talked about that last Sunday. He gave you a bright, broad, awesome future for us to be adopted or adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you, there's no broader potential than for a prince or a princess. There's no broader potential. Nothing is in their way. Nothing can stop them. Why? Because they're a child of the king. He's predestined you and me to be children of God most high, of the king. And with that comes an unbelievable amount of potential in this life. We need to start living, walking, and talking, and acting like we're chosen of God, born of God. All right? And this is all accordance to the pleasure of his will. Now, let's read a couple of other scriptures as we continue with this and let it sink down deep into your heart. You're chosen, you're chosen, you're chosen. If you will walk around like a chosen man or woman, let me tell you what, you'll be unstoppable. Monica said this to me uh, last Sunday. You know, a lot of the Psalms that David wrote, a lot of the Psalms that David wrote about how good God was and how he was, David was the king and this were written before he was ever a king. (laughs) Did you know that? God puts glimpses of destiny into your mind and your heart, and he's waiting for you to believe that they're going to come true. He's waiting for you to believe that God is going to fulfill the promises that he's given to you. So listen to those, those particles from heaven that come down into your thoughts and say, you know what, even before I see it, I believe I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm chosen of God. I've got a destiny ahead of me that God is going to use me powerfully for his purpose. For his purpose. John 15, 16. Here's one that I've already mentioned. says, Jesus is speaking here. You did not choose me, but I chose you. We've got to get that into our minds. I, for the longest time, thought in asking Jesus into my life and placing my faith in him that I was choosing him. But you know why? I wasn't. I wasn't choosing him. He had chosen me, and I simply acquiesced. I accepted and said, okay, Jesus, I'll go with you. But he did the choosing. He did the choosing. And listen to this. He appointed you so that you might go bear fruit. All right? I had a, a, a job once, a position once, and I would come to work every day feeling like a piece of junk, all right? The, the job was too big for me. The problems were too big with, for me that came with this position. And I would come home every day telling God, I can't do this. This is too hard. I can't do this. This is too much. I'm, and I kept telling God, I'm not experienced enough. I haven't been through enough to, to be in this position. This thing is going to crumble right in front of me, and it's going to be my fault. 
All right, those were the conversations I had with God. You know what God told me one day? Very shortly after I was struggling, he said, you know what, Steve, I know you're not, you're not ready for this, but I've appointed you to this. I've appointed you to this position, and because I say that you're good, good enough for this position, you are good enough for this position. No matter what your coworkers, because people were talking, no matter what people, your subordinates are saying, they were talking, no matter what your boss is saying, because he was talking, I tell, I, I tell you, you're appointed to this position, and no one's going to take it away from you, and you are going to succeed. And you know what? From that point, when I started realizing I'm appointed by God, I'm chosen by God, it didn't matter what anybody else thought, and things started to fall into line. You and me, we need to realize we're chosen by God, and no one and nothing is going to get in our way to get to where we're going. Amen? That's for you, Michaela. Nothing is going to get in your way to the place where you're going. I mean it. God means it. We need to receive that. We need to believe that because otherwise we get discouraged. We get beat down. We think we're never going to make it. And you know what God's saying? You are going to make it because you are chosen and no no one's going to get in your way of your progress. All right? So James 1.18 says that he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a first a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Think about that for a second. He chose, he's been, we've been talking about, he's chosen us in that choosing or to initiate that choosing, he chose to give us new birth. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Uh, Jesus spoke of the second birth or being born again. Have you ever heard of being born again? Um, it's it's a, a, a second birth that takes place, and it's a spiritual birth. So we're born first physically, but then when we offer our lives to Christ, we're given a second birth, a new birth. And he chose to give us that new birth. Uh, what this does is it results in a new life for us. Now, think of all the the old things of your life that you wish you could get rid of, your addictions. Think of your uh, temptations, your weaknesses, your flaws. That's the old part of you that you wish you could get rid of. That's your old life. The Bible refers to it as the old nature or the old man. But when he gives us new birth, he literally gives new birth to a new life inside of us. And what that results in is, is really two personalities, the old personality that we wish we could get rid of so many times, and then the new personality. And from that point forward, after that second birth, after that rebirth, uh, or being born again, these two personalities are in conflict with one another. And that's what makes life so hard sometimes for Christians. But as we grow in Christ, the new life gains strength and gains power and becomes to overcome the old life. Let me read to you another scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So that's what I'm referring to. And it's even made more clear in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.22 through 24 verses 
22 through 24, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life, that's the old life that we're talking about, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now think about this for a second. When God says he chooses us, he doesn't choose the old part of us. He's only choosing the new part of us. So for a person to say, I'm chosen of God, well, that's partially true. The good part of you that God has given birth to and created inside of you, because we know without God, there's nothing good in us. But that new person is what God chooses. He does not choose the old part of you uh, or the old part of me. In fact, that's rejected by God. And so it's, it's insightful to realize that it's the new man, the new person that God has chosen before the foundations of the earth, not the, not the old person. That's why oftentimes we talk about in Galatians 2.20, where it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ in me. So that old man is what's been crucified with Christ, the old part of us that we so desperately can't control but, and, and want to get rid of. Now listen to this scripture. In Luke 9.35, um, this is Jesus who's, been, uh, who's walked up uh, what we refer to as the Mount of Transfiguration, and he went up with three of his disciples. And at that time, uh, there was, uh, there was a, a revelation of who Jesus was, visible, um, to where his, his clothes uh, were t- turned white, and uh, there was, uh, he was glorified at that point. And his three disciples were terrified. And at that time, a voice from heaven uh, said this. In Luke 9.35, a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. So there we find the same word of chosen. And the way God chose his very own son is the same choosing that he has for us. The same way that he chose Jesus is the same way that he's choosing you right now. Right now. And uh, and so if I look, I know we're, we're jumping around to a bunch of different verses, but John 15, 19, it says, If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. And I ask you, why? Why do you not belong to the world? It says, but I have chosen you out of the world. So the reason why we don't fit in a lot of time at school or in our jobs or sometimes even in our families is because we've been chosen, as as this verse says in John 15, 19, I have chosen you out of the world. See, there's purpose for God's choosing He doesn't just choose us just so we can feel good about ourselves. He chooses us for a purpose, and that purpose is not found for us just to conform with everybody else that we live and see, uh, live with and see. He's chosen us out of the world. And what does that mean? Hey, we're going to start acting different. If we've been chosen of God, it's wonderful to be chosen of God. We need to walk in that choosing. But you know, it results in a change in us. We're going to act different. You know what else? We're going to talk different. 
We're going to think different. We're going to react differently in situations. We're going to marry different. We're going to work different. We're going to seem different. We're going to love different. In times, we're even going to eat different because we realize that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to treat our bodies accordingly. So we're going to start eating different. We might even drink different. We're going to entertain different. We're going to celebrate different, but most of all, you know what? We're going to believe different. And let me tell you what, your belief system is one of the most powerful things in your life. And if you start believing that you're a chosen person of God, a chosen man or woman or child of God, you're going to, you're going to be living in an entirely different realm than what you've been used to doing. So he's chosen you. You need to start acting like it. If you're chosen of God, you walk around with your uh, shoulders squared up, believing God, trusting God, knowing that He's chosen you. You know, there's nothing uh, more amazing than a prince or a princess. Whenever they know uh, they are who they are, they carry themselves that way. And we need to carry ourselves that same way as well. And so, really, it boils down to this very vital, interesting question. And the question is, is how does God choose us? By what criteria does he choose people then? This answer is very tricky because God's grace is a very real thing. His grace says it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. And so if if we're looking for a criteria, a criteria of goodness in someone for God to choose them, then grace is, uh, is not a thing. Because grace says, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm choosing you because I love you. That's what grace says. And so his criteria cannot depend on good or a lack of bad deeds. So what on earth is it that, uh, that God looks into that makes him choose us. And so one thing I'd like to say <clears throat> is God doesn't have some kind of mystical, secret, undisclosed way of choosing. No, not at all. Uh, many people, many Christians walk around thinking, well, I'm chosen, but uh, so-and-so is not chosen. And, and what they fall into whenever they think there's, there's this kind of mystical, unknowable uh, approach that God has for choosing people, then they begin to think, well, he chooses some, and by not choosing the rest, he's actually choosing the rest to go to hell. So he chooses some for heaven, and he chooses some, some for hell. That is completely unbiblical teaching. And I would go as far to say it's wicked teaching. It's wicked teaching. Anything that doesn't come from the Bible and is twisted in this manner is not from the Lord. And it's therefore, it's wicked. It's evil. Let me, let me show you what I mean. In 1 Peter 3.9, for those that would think that God chooses some to go to hell, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
Did you hear that? God doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to to waste away their lives and end up in eternal punishment. That's not his desire. Instead, it says he wants everyone to come to repentance. (coughs) In other words, God is not, when he chooses one person, unchoosing another person. So the question is, is how on earth does God decide who he chooses and based on what criteria? Well, here's the incredible thing is the Bible has the very clear answer. And if if we would just simply look into the word of God, we'd find out what that criteria is and position ourselves for his choosing. Uh, he does so without compromising his grace, as I've mentioned. But look at this. It's found in James 2.5 and found in many other scriptures as well and examples in many scriptures. But look at this. Listen, my brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those, and here it is, who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. Who is it that he chooses? The poor in the eyes of the world. Who's a poor person? It's someone who crouches down and cowers like a beggar. Someone who's helpless like a beggar. The extreme opposite of rich. Someone who's spiritually poor and destitute. Well, let's put this into perspective. This is someone who's come to the end of their rope. Someone who's come to the end of themselves and has no other alternatives but God. That's the person that God chooses. He chooses the underdog. He chooses the one that's overlooked by everyone else. All of a sudden, the character of God shines forth through through to us based on his criteria of selection. When we were playing uh, kickball uh, or some other dodgeball when we were little kids and the captains would pick, it seemed that they would always pick the most athletic players first and end with the least athletic players at the end. That's exactly the opposite of what God does. He chooses the poor, the destitute, the ones who have come to the end of their ropes, the end of their ropes at their jobs, the end of their ropes at their mar- with their marriage maybe, the end of their ropes with, with their finances, the end of their ropes with maybe their emotions. Look at yourself. If you're at the end of your rope, you're perfectly positioned to be chosen by God. That's an amazing thought. So 1 Corinthians 1 That's chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Make it even clearer. Look at this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Now, let me pause here for a second. The church in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, um, the church there had really become rather conceited. Um, They were proud of themselves for for having spiritual gifts. They were proud of those who uh, were were well-spoken and articulate, those who had a great deal of apparent wisdom. And Paul was right in the Corinthian church, in 1 Corinthians here, getting on to them and saying, Hey, whoa, time out here. Look, remember how you were when God chose you. Not many of you were um, 
not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. In other words, not many of you were leaders. Okay, not many of you were of noble birth. There's nothing special about you, but God chose who? The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things. So who does God choose? Foolish people. Weak people to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and I love this part, and the things that are not. Uh, there's a the the the, the um, a system, uh, the caste system in in India, of of you know who's acceptable and who's not, and there's that untouchable lower layer of humanity that lives in caves and lives in the sewer systems, uh, rarely to be seen. Let let me tell you what, there's a host of people there in that lower system uh, of, of society there in India that God is choosing because they're, they're literally, as this scripture says, they are nothing. They are, uh, uh, there are things that are not, that's who God chooses. And it goes on here in 1 Corinthians 1, 29, to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. <coughs> then we also see the Israelites, um, when they were coming out of Egypt's, Egypt, they were runaway slaves. They were nobodies. They were desert rats with no home, with no place, uh, vab- vagabonds, um, uh, those that just go from place to place in the desert, wandering around. And Moses speaks to those Israelites, those two, two million some odd people there in the desert. And he says, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people. Do you ever feel like you're you're the fewest, you have the least, you're the lowest, guess what? You're perfectly positioned. Your circumstances have perfectly positioned you to be chosen of God. It goes on in Deuteronomy 7, uh, verses 7 and 8, but it was because of the Lord's love and the fact that he kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors, a, a, an oath of love, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you. In other words, he picked you, he bought you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, uh, king of Egypt. So we can't forget in all of this, God's choosing, he chooses the least of the least, the person who's come to the end of their rope and has nowhere to turn, no other alternatives, and God shows up. But it is up to us whenever uh, whenever our time comes to, to being at the end of the rope, coming to the end of ourselves. In John 1.12, it says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, okay? He appointed them. In other words, he chose them to become children of God. So what do we do when we come to the end of our rope? We receive Jesus. We simply open our heart and say, Jesus, I don't have any more money. I don't have any more emotions. Uh, 
I don't have any more feelings. I'm raw beyond comprehension, and I receive you into my open heart because that's what it means to believe on his name or believe in his name is to open your heart to the Lord. And the person that does that is chosen at that point in time, is chosen by God. His choosing becomes a reality in their life. So let me ask you some final questions here. Would God call you if he didn't have a place for you? Would he, uh, would he say, here, you know, come here. I want, I want you to come into my choosing. And when you receive him and accept him, then he looks behind him and says, oh, you know what? I don't have a place for you. I'm so sorry. Of course, God wouldn't do that. Whoever God calls, he has a place of choosing for. There was a rich young ruler a uh, story told in the Bible, a true story told in the Bible of a rich young ruler who came to Jesus saying, what must I do to be saved? In other words, what must I do to be chosen of God? And Jesus gave him the laundry list of rules that the young man had grown up to know and understand. And the young man said, you know what, I've done all of these. What else am I lacking? He still still knew that he wasn't chosen by God. And Jesus looked at him with love in his eyes and he said, you know what? Go sell all you have and give that to the poor and come follow me. And you know what Jesus was saying? Young man, come to the end of yourself. Get to the end of your rope and do it quickly by just giving it all away. And then you will find that I've chosen you when you're the, at the end of yourself. We need to come to the end of our pride, come to the end of our anger, come to the end of our bitterness, come to the end of our money, come to the end of our hope. And then we begin to find Jesus and we find that he chooses us. So his call is always accompanied by his choosing. Let me end with this scripture for you here. Romans 8, 33, it says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? And the answer is, nobody. It says, instead, it is God who justifies. God isn't bringing a charge against you. If you're chosen, you walk like a chosen man of God or woman of God. You act like a man or woman of God. And do not allow the enemy at all to tell you anything different. Act and talk like one. Praise God. You were chosen. You're chosen for a purpose. Um, this is how you're going to reach your full predestined potential is by realizing you're, you're chosen of God. Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, you see every person who might be listening to this, um, this recording and Lord, I believe through this recording, you've spoken directly to them. And right now, I pray, as, the, as each of us is reaching the end of our rope, each in the, reaching the end of ourselves, Lord God, that you're there to catch us. You're there to help us. You're there to choose us. Lord, you choose the underdog. You choose the person who's been hurt, abused, uh, uh, mistreated, Lord Jesus. And so I thank you, God. Lord, right now, I pray, pray that each and every listener would um, reach out, Lord, and begin to receive Jesus into their life right now as, a, as they're at the end of their rope, at the end of themselves. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.